RadioInfluence.com. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I am your host, Vincent Hill. Today is Tuesday, September 25th, 2018. Now, the calendar says that it's supposedly fall, right? But here in Hotlanta, it's still pretty freaking hot. We still been getting 90 degree weather. I'm just uh, kind of waiting for this fall weather to hit, man, because I'm telling you, I'm tired of walking out of my apartment and sweating before I get down to my car. That's how hot and humid it still is here in Atlanta. But I guess as the old saying goes, be careful what you wish for, because I'm sure here in just about another uh, month and a half or so, I will be saying, man, I can't wait for summertime to hit because it'll be chilly in the mornings. I'll have to go ahead and get that sweater out and the coat out. But, you know, at any rate, supposedly it's fall, but it's still hot here in Atlanta. And it's hot everywhere across this country dealing with police. I want to talk about a police shooting that occurred in Memphis this past Monday night. Things are heating up in Memphis, uh, of course, with protests and civil rights attorneys coming to the city of Memphis. I want to talk about that, and I want to talk, and I want to dive deep into the hypocrisy of the citizens of not only Memphis, but across this country uh, when I start talking about this shooting. But first, I want to talk about uh, Dallas, Texas. So picture this. We've probably all done it, right? It's late, or it's been a long day. We got a lot on our mind. We go to find our car and you walk to your car and you put the key in or the key fob and the car doesn't unlock. Then you look and you're like, well, why is my car not working or my key not working? Then you look, you realize, dang, although this looks like my car, this really isn't my car. And the reason I gave that analogy, I'm sure you've all heard the story by now of uh, the Dallas police officer, Amber Geiger, who shot her neighbor, uh, Botham John, I believe is how you say his name. Of course, she's a white female police officer. He's a black male. So, of course, now the charge is that it's racially motivated. But in case you haven't heard the story, here's what uh, Geiger said happened. She had been working her shift, the 15-hour shift, she came home, they're living in an apartment building, and I lived in one of these types of apartment buildings where they have the indoor parking garage that goes up to each level. Then you get out of your car, on your floor, you walk down this hallway, this foyer, if you will, to your apartment. So she's working her 15-hour shift, she comes home, she parks on what she thought was her floor level, she goes to what she believed to be her apartment, uh, and sees someone in the apartment, assuming which was hers. So she says she gets verbal commands. She fires two shots. Uh, Botham John dies as a result of those gun wounds. Now, many, many, many people have said there's no way she could have gone to the wrong apartment. There's no way she 
shouldn't have known. Now, her story was that the door was ajar. There's been videos on YouTube and Instagram that from people from the apartment that show, oh, it's impossible for the door to be ajar because it's a heavy door and it would have closed behind blase blase. Uh, so there had to be something going on. And the story that she's making up is all a lie. Well, just an accusation doesn't mean that someone is guilty. And I say that to say this, you know, you can make the allegation that, oh, it's racially motivated or, oh, there had to be something else going on because now there's reports that she had reported him for loud music before. So how do we go from loud music to I'm just going to sneak in his apartment, convince him to open the door and I'm going to shoot him because of his loud music. That's just preposterous uh, in itself. So, uh, of course, the family is saying that Dallas police are trying to smear his name because, of course, they did a search warrant of the house and they found marijuana uh, inside the home and marijuana grinders and... They don't even understand why they did a search warrant because he's the victim. Well, I understand why they did the search warrant quite simply because it was a crime scene, right? A crime or the allegation of a crime occurred inside that apartment. But I want to look at it a a little bit bigger because, you know, we can make the speculation that the door was ajar. We can make the speculation that there was this previous beef between the two about this loud music we can even make the speculation because there's a photo floating around with uh botham john and three white women in the photo and there's a blonde standing next to him with his arm around he has his arm around her and people are like oh that's the officer i've looked at that picture a hundred times i don't think so but here's the thing the easiest way to figure that out is check her social media check her phone records and you will see if there was a relationship between the two but anyway back to the search warrant because i think the search warrant is key and i listen i'm not giving my opinion one way or the other to say yes she did it or no she didn't do it like as in yes she did it as in she intentionally wanted to kill him or no she didn't do it it was a fluke mistake that she did go to the wrong apartment if you look at the search warrant there's a few things that stand out. Her police bag and her vest were right inside the door. Like as in she walked in, she dropped her bags and her vest and she was going to her apartment. Now, the th- the reason I say that is most people have a routine when they get home. Some people do drop their bag and their vest right by the door or in the doorway. I know when I carried my clipboard that I would rest on my seat that carried all my reports and whatnot, if I did bring it in the house, I would drop it right at the door, the wall against the door. I would move it later, but I would drop it. Or if I had a bag in my hand, guess where I would put it? Right by the front door. I would close the door, go get undressed, and if I decided to move that bag, at a later date, I would do that simply because when you get in after working 12, 13 hours, you just want to drop stuff, get undressed, jump in the shower, and get in the bed. So, of course, when you look at the show, the uh, uh, warrant as well, the search warrant, 
There's shell casings close to the front door of the apartment building, which does kind of coincide with her story. Now, again, I'm not saying one way the, the, the other guilt or innocence. I'm just looking at the evidence, right? The evidence. That's what makes cases. Not black and white, not male, female, not allegations of loud music complaints, not allegations that they were seeing each other. The evidence. When you look at the position of the shell casings, it is in line with her story. She walked in. She was in the doorway. She saw someone in the apartment, a large silhouette. She gave verbal commands and she fired. Now, of course, there's witnesses that didn't go to the police first. They went to the family attorney, Benjamin Crump, which I kind of question that in itself because police did arrive to the scene that day, of course, obviously, because Amber Geiger called police. He called 911. So police arrived. So you have these two witnesses that are saying that just before the shooting, they heard a female banging on the door saying, let me in. Now, here's the problem with that. A, they can't say if the female was Amber Geiger. B, you can go to court and say, well, she sounded white, but that's going to get thrown out because what does sounding white sound like? C, they cannot testify that they saw that it was A, Amber Geiger, and B, that it was Amber Geiger at his door. So just because you have just before the shooting, someone saying they heard someone knocking on a door saying, let me in, and that person happened to be a female, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was Amber Geiger knocking on that door. I think this case will come down to the evidence. And here's what I would look for. She says that she put the key in the door. Now, at those apartments, those keys are electronic. So you should be able to track if she did indeed put her key in the door. And the reason I say that is because even though it was the wrong key to the wrong apartment, the key reader recorded that attempt. So you should be able to download that data and see that, yes, there was an attempt to unlock this door by an invalid key. So if that is the case, then we can go ahead and throw away the whole, well, I heard someone knocking on the door theory of this case. If they can pull this data in this key fob reader to say, yes, there was an attempt at whatever time the shooting occurred, the key did not work, it will kind of validate Geiger's story that, yes, indeed, I put my key in, but the door was somehow ajar. Now, into that theory of, well, the door is heavy, it won't close by itself. Well, how many of us have purposely left a door ajar because someone's on the way or someone just left the apartment to run to their car really quick and you didn't want to get up to let them back in. So I don't care how heavy the door is. If you guide the door with your hand up to a certain point and then let it go, guess what? The door will stay ajar because yeah, the door is heavy, but it slams shut only when it's free and not obstructed. But if it's guided to a certain point and then let go, the door will stay ajar, right? So there's so many aspects of this case that people are assuming, of course, because it's black and white, but everyone wants to ignore 
possible evidence in this case. Now, of course, Amber Geiger has been fired by Renee Hall, who is the black police chief there in Dallas, and she fired her because of adverse conduct. And I really had to do some research to figure out what was adverse conduct. She fired her because of adverse conduct um, after her arrest. So the definition of adverse conduct, according to Dallas police, is conduct which adversely affects the morale or efficiency of the department or which has a tendency to adversely affect, lower, destroy public respect and confidence in the department or police officers. So adverse conduct basically says, well, you made the police department look bad, so we are firing you. Now, of course, Geiger's attorney is saying, hey, this this uh, this firing was premeditated. Of course, it was just a way to cave in and appease to the community. Uh, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. I know typically that's not the way it would go. You'd get suspended. You would have the trial. Uh, and then if you're found guilty, you would be fired. So maybe there is some truth to it. Again, the police chief in Dallas is black. Renee Hall, the person that was shot in Botham, John is black. The officer is white. So I can definitely see how her attorney is saying this was nothing more than an attempt to appease the black community that has Benjamin Crump and everyone else uh, speaking out about this case. But I, I really want you to give some thought about what I said at the lead in of this. How many times have we gone? Think about it to the wrong car. And you're like, dang, why is my key not working? Because you thought that's exactly where you parked your car. And that car looks just like your car. Now, I know the apartment scenario is a little bit different, but add in the factors, 15 hour day, you park on the wrong floor. You assume you're on your floor. The apartments are literally right above and below each other. So you're used to taking X amount of steps to get to your apartment. You know if you go past five doors that it's your apartment. So when you get past that fifth door, you assume it's your apartment. And you put the key in and the door happens to be ajar. What do you think is going to happen? Now, I know people can argue because I've said this. Um, as a police officer, Hey, when you get home, if you're a citizen, you get home, you find your door ajar. Don't go in, call police, wait for police to get there to clear it. Now people can argue, and I'm sure they will when this goes to trial that why didn't she, if she thought she was at her apartment and if she thought there was a burglar in there, why didn't she call for backup and clear her apartment to clear her apartment? But then again, you could argue she's a trained police officer. That's what they are trained to do, to go in and clear an apartment. So, again, you can argue so, so, so many things about this. But just to simply say she's lying and she did it because he's black and she's white is ridiculous. Just like the fact that somebody went out and found a family photo of her, her brother, her mom, her dad, and I think a niece... And they're saying, oh, her brother was throwing up a, a uh, white supremacy sign. Now, her brother has said, well, it was the number 69 because my dad had turned 69. 
a lot of people are saying, oh, it's a right a white supremacy sign. Well, one has nothing to do with the other. Now, if there were allegations that she was just randomly stopping black people and harassing them during her official duties as a police officer, or if you went through her personnel file and there were claims of civil rights violations or racial racial allegations in her personnel file, we may be able to talk. But to have this stupid allegation, well, her brother's throwing up a white supremacy sign, so therefore the entire family's racist, and therefore that's why she shot Botham John, that's just ridiculous. There's only two people that really know what happened. One's not here to tell his story, unfortunately. And the other, if you look at it, and again, I'm not going one way or the other, if you look at it, if what she says is true, that search warrant that the family was so upset about could actually suggest that her story is indeed true. But we can't make assumptions. All right, before I talk about Memphis, man, I'm so excited. The basketball season is right around the corner, man. The NBA is back. And listen, I just went to VividSeats.com to start booking my Atlanta Hawks tickets. Listen, man, I'm on the website. I love their interactive map of the Phillips Arena. It lets me pick the seats I want. Check it out. Vivid Seats online ticket marketplace. It gets you the best seats in the building. You can watch not only sporting events, but concerts, theater, and so much more. Hey, listen, go to their website, Vivid Seats, or you can download the app at the App Store or in Google Play. Enter the podcast code INFLUENCE and get your 10% off the purchase price. That's right, 10%. And it's backed by a 100% guarantee. If you want the best seats in the house, go to Vivid Seats, get the app, enter the promo code INFLUENCE to get your 10% off. Oh, and before I talk about Memphis, I I did want to just read one quick headline to an article and relate it back to Dallas, Texas. Two Maryland police officers wounded in a shooting had entered the wrong apartment. Two police officers wide awake during their shift entered the wrong apartment during a search warrant. So just think about that when you're talking Dallas and Amber Geiger, who had worked a 15-hour shift, who said she parked what she believed to be her floor of her apartment. If she can do that when she's dead dog tired, or better yet, if these two officers can do that while they're wide awake serving what they thought was a search warrant on the right location, imagine being up for 15 hours thinking you're in the right apartment. So let me switch gears. I want to go out to Memphis. Uh, and there, there was a police shooting there this past Monday. Uh And it was the shooting of a man by the name of, oh gosh, I'm going to try to say this name, Martavius Banks. Uh, I believe that's how you say it, Martavius Banks. So he was shot. Of course, now people are in uproar uh, because of the shooting. There's protests going on in Memphis. There's attorneys showing up. There's civil rights attorneys. He was shot. He's in critical condition. So uh, the argument is, of course, he was shot in the back. Another case of a black man shot by police for no reason. Reason, according to, you know, people in the community, his mother and things of that nature. 
So, of course, the TBI, Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, is investigating the case because the family says they didn't want Memphis police investigating their own because it would be tainted. So, of course, when police are doing an investigation, they have to look at everything. So, the uproar is the fact that the shooting was not caught on body cam um, because the body cams were partially on but somehow turned off during this whole thing. So the mayor who has come out, the mayor of Memphis has come out and said, well, uh, we're investigating everything fully and the officer should have had their body camera on blase, blase, blase. Uh, but let me give you the backstory of this because the family's really upset that Memphis police has released banks, criminal history. Cause they say it's irrelevant to the shooting. Well, I would say it's partially relevant, and I'll get to why I think so. So, police initiate a traffic stop. They ask for driver's license and insurance. Banks says he doesn't have it. Typical traffic stop that I've done a hundred freaking times. So, at some point, uh, he begins to reach downward towards the floorboard, and police see a gun. Okay, traffic stop, no license, no insurance, don't know who you are, gun. Well, as a police officer, your threat level goes up because it's a gun. And you have this guy reaching towards a gun. So Banks takes off, leads the police on a short pursuit. He gets out, he flees. A confrontation ensues. He's shot. Uh, I believe he was shot in the back. That's what the reports say. Some people are claiming that he was actually running inside a home and police shot him. Uh, but they shouldn't have because he was running into a home. Well, A, I'll get, I'll get to that in a second. But, so, uh, of course, city's in an uproar and three officers right now are uh, relieved of duty pending an investigation. I, I guess the officer who did the shooting and the other two officers officers that were there whose body cams were on during part of it but weren't on during all of it. So the chief is saying there could have been some policy violation. Not policy violation of the shooting, policy violation of the body cam footage. Now, let's look at everything in its totality. Traffic stop, gun, vehicle pursuit, foot pursuit. Let's go one step further. Banks had six active warrants for his arrest. Six, six active warrants for his arrest. He had committed a felony by doing the felony evading in the car. He had done the misdemeanor evading. There was some kind of confrontation with the police. And then, according to reports, he's trying to run into a home. Now... Police at that point don't know if it's his home, and I don't even know if it came out that it was his home. But at some point, do police have to make that split second decision to say he was armed, he's running into a home, this could be a hostage situation, standoff type situation, we don't want him to get inside this home, so we have to shoot based on the fleeing felon rule. Or do you get the hostage situation because 
we can't assume that just because he was running into a home, it was his home. I've had people run into homes that weren't their home plenty of times. Or do police let him get in the home, still go in the home because based on accident circumstances, they would have been able to chase him inside that home at that exact moment. Or if you don't know what accident circumstances is, it's the hot pursuit rule that you were in chase of an individual who had committed a crime. And based in that split second, that hot pursuit, you do not need a warrant to go inside that location. So the family, again, is saying, well, his criminal history has nothing to do with what happened. Well, if you look at his criminal history, he did have a history of evading arrest from police. He had a history of assaulting people. He kicked his uh, girlfriend's teeth out of her mouth during one dispute. He did have a history of resisting arrest with force against police. So I think when you look at everything and you slow everything down, this guy didn't just get out of his car and run and... That was it. That was were his only intentions. His intentions were to get away from police by any means necessary, hence why he ran in the car and hence why he ran on foot. So you have to look at the intent of the individual. See, the biggest problem I have, especially in certain communities is, and I've said it before on this show, I will say it again, is accountability. Now, his mom, you know, is like, you didn't have to shoot that many times. You didn't even have to shoot him. Of course, the attorneys that have flown in from like Atlanta and Boston and all these other places, you didn't have to shoot it. Here it is. Just another case of an unarmed black man shot by police. But no one's looking at the totality of everything that occurred there in those few minutes. This didn't go on for 30, 45 minutes. It was a short vehicle chase, a short foot chase, and then things escalated. And here's a guy who would have done everything he could to include, I'm willing to bet, to include shooting those officers if it meant he wasn't going to jail. Because let's be clear, almost 40 officers this year killed in the line of duty by gunfire. So we can't say that this guy wouldn't have shot police. And out of those almost 40, I think all of those were because the individual knew their capture would mean they were going to jail. There may have been a few ambushes in that number, but the majority of them, 99% of those shootings of officers killed this year, it's because the individual didn't want to go to jail. It had nothing to do with the fact that the officer was white. Had nothing to do with the fact the officer, the suspect was black, Hispanic, Chinese, whatever. It's because that person did not want to go to jail. Six warrants, driving on suspended, which is part of his other criminal history, which really is not a huge offense in the state of Tennessee. I've charged people with that a hundred times. But the gun, a gun in a car by a convicted felon who has six active warrants, who just based on the fact that is a convicted felon could get up to 10 years in federal prison based on the statute, he would have done anything he could not to go back to jail. 
Now let me take it one step further, including running into a house that was not his. The officers in that moment did not know if that house was his. And remember what I said, do they take the chance of having a hostage situation? Can you assume that because the gun was on the floorboard in the car that he didn't have it on his person? Or could you assume that he didn't have more guns on his person? So all of this uproar to me is a little premeditated. And the fact that, oh, well, the officer's camera wasn't on. Well, let's look at everything else. And let's go back 10 years before police had body cam footage. What would you do then? And the thing that gets me the most is people are automatically assuming that the officer that shot Banks was white because Memphis PD, TBI, the mayor's office, they haven't released the officer's name or race or the other two officers that were there. Now, the bottom line is, I don't know if you've ever been to Memphis, but they have a lot of black police officers in Memphis. And guess what? Those black police officers work in high crime areas. So we're assuming just because there was a police shooting and the individual who was shot, who had six warrants, who had a gun, who fled from police anyway, we're assuming that since the individual that was shot is black, that the officer is automatically white. And if you don't think that people are already assuming that, Why in the world are all these attorneys, these civil rights attorneys, flocking to Memphis? Why in the world is all this protest going on right now in the city of Memphis? It's because they assume right now that it fits the narrative of what people want it to be. People want it to be a white cop shooting a quote-unquote unarmed black male. That's it. Nobody wants to look at the facts of the case. No one wants to sit there and consider, well, yeah, maybe there was something going on why he was trying to get away. And they just want it to fit that narrative. Now, I've said this before. I say it again. I don't know if you listen to Notorious Big, Biggie Smalls. He was one of my favorite hip hop artists way back when in the 90s, before his demise. And he had this song out called, You're Nobody Until Somebody Kills You. And I've said before, I want to change the lyrics to say, You're Nobody Until a Police Officer Kills You. And the reason I say that is because of this. Several reasons. When Martavius Banks was out doing those crimes, like kicking the teeth out of his girlfriend's mouth during a domestic dispute, and all the other crimes that he has six warrants for. Nobody in the city of Memphis, besides his mom and his dad and his cousins, Pookie and them, knew who Martavius Banks was. Now that police had to intervene on an individual who committed several crimes within just a few minutes span, who was likely running into, if the the reports are accurate, likely running into a house that was not his. And if anybody believes that wouldn't happen, you're just foolish. Because I'm telling you, it happened to me so many times where people would run into someone else's house 
to try to get away from police. But now that he was shot by police, unjustifiably, if you will, everyone knows the name Martavius Banks. But let me talk about this hypocrisy that I talked about and this accountability. Four hours ago, Memphis man charged with attempted murder of another black man. That was a black man. But we don't see the protest for the guy he tried to kill. One dead, multiple people shot at South Memphis apartment complex. But we don't see any protest for them. They were all black, by the way. Well, let me read another. Man robs Memphis Target Pharmacy at gunpoint. I'm looking at his picture. He is an African-American man. He robbed the place at gunpoint. Nobody knows his name. Now, flip gears, and police arrive to that target, and he's armed with the gun, and they shoot him. Now we have hashtag, we have protest, we have everything. Memphis man charged with kidnapping three children and two women at gunpoint. Nobody knows their names. But if police would intervene and have to use force, especially deadly force, this guy would go from kidnapper to another victim at the hands of white police officers. Now I'm looking at a screenshot. This was yesterday. Uh, WREG.com, the local station there in Memphis. I believe it's the CBS station. Suspects still at large following an East Memphis robbery and shooting. Now the victim in this case happens to be a white male because they're showing his picture. So where's that story? Where's that hashtag? He was shot, almost killed, but nobody knows his name. But I assure you, the people that matched the suspect description had police shown up and had to apprehend, better yet, had to use force against these robbers who were armed and committed armed robbery and aggravated assault based on shooting this guy. Then everybody would know their names. Man, I got even one more. Man killed in shooting on Clarksdale Street in Memphis. Well, does anybody know the name of the people that shot him? Does anybody even care, better yet, the names of the people that shot him? The people that look just like him Nobody cares about anything unless it has to do with something that could take anywhere from five seconds to two minutes of an officer's 10-hour day, and the officer has to use force. Now, all of a sudden, it's a problem. But you have people getting killed in the streets of Memphis. But they're worried about Martavius Banks because he was shot by police officers in the commission of their duties. They didn't just walk up to Martavius, pull out their guns, and start shooting. 
It was Martavius Banks who fled in the vehicle, who fled on foot, who appeared to be running into a home, who had a gun in the car, who had six warrants, who did not want to go to jail. But now the city of Memphis is in an uproar. But all of those people that I just read, those incidents I just read off, nobody cares about it because you're nobody until the police kill you. And that is so, so messed up that we hear all of this crap all the time. Police, police, they just want to kill the black man. They just want to do this. But nobody's talking about everything that's going on. Nobody's getting these guns off the streets. Nobody gave a crap about Martavius Banks, I assure you, until he was shot this past Monday. Nobody gave a crap about him because he was just like everybody else going out, doing crimes, getting what they can, preying on innocent people until the police get involved. And now Martavius Banks is a saint. That's very, very, very disturbing. And on that note, we are out of time. But instead of doing a 10-7 segment, tonight, which honors fallen officers, as you know, I thought I would just throw this number out since we're talking about Memphis and Mr. Banks and how he's the innocent victim in this and police were just in the wrong. 40, 4, 0, the number after 39, 40 police officers have been shot and killed in the city of Memphis. The most recent one was 2015. In the heat, the height of all of this Black Lives Matter and Michael Brown and Freddie Gray and all of this other stuff, which we're still seeing today. 40 police officers in the city of Memphis killed by gunfire of suspects. This wasn't accidental gunfire. Suspects who, for the most part, didn't want to go back to jail. Just like Banks, when he fled from those officers after seeing the gun, he didn't want to go back to jail. So don't assume that he would not have used that handgun on those police officers to make sure he didn't go back to jail. All right, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. It's been a pleasure as always. I'll see you right here, same time, same place, next week, RadioInfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a dark to light with Frank and Bean's quick fix on Radio Influence. James Woods, let's take him for an example. He was just banned off of Twitter or or suspended from Twitter. Did you know about that? I did not know. What James was this? Woods was it, just this morning. I got the tweet that James Woods um, was banned off of Twitter for a day or whatever for saying something ridiculously okay. benign about liberals and Democrats. Right. It was really nothing even big. I'm trying to find it right now.
they said that he his tweet he must delete his tweet because it could be looked at as interfering in an election. What? Twitter. Interfering in, a, in an election? The tweet they want him to delete says, pretty scary that there is a distinct possibility this could be real. Not likely, but in this day and age of absolute liberal insanity, it's at least possible. Now, I don't know what the referenced video is inside of there, but this is supposedly the Twitter message that he got next to it. We received a report about one of your tweets, which includes text and imagery that has the potential to be misleading in a way that could impact an election. In order to use your account again, you'll need to log in and delete the tweets and links to it. Because it could be used in a way to impact an election. What does that mean? That means that it could be used in a way to make people think anything other than what Rachel Maddow tells us to think. You know, if, if I don't even know what the hell the, the tweet was, but if anything that James Woods puts out there uh, it should it should be taken down because it could impact an election, then what the hell do you do to the entire comment section below every damn time the president tweets something? The, I, every time he tweets something, people have our, our I mean, I guess their Twitter accounts are just programmed to be the first comments. What, what are we talking about here? It's it's ridiculous. It's getting to the point where it's almost like we're an animal farm or like some kind of horrible, myopic, like crazy. It's just crazy. I mean, it's 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 scary. 1984 squared and then quadrupled over it. it it's nuts. Dark to Light with Frank and Beans can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play and RadioInfluence.com.